The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I am delighted that today we have Jenny Firmer from AJFCS, a human service organization in in um, West Palm Beach, Florida, with us, who is not only going to be with us today, but she will be co-hosting Leadership Matters, and uh, we're looking to have a third co-host join us in the near future, but as of today, Jenny is actually going to take on the role of leading our conversation on effective leadership styles, the servant leader, and the role of power in leadership, and um, she's going to come on in just a moment, introduce our um, guest for the hour and begin us in having um, this fabulous conversation. So, Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. G. I'm really looking forward to being a co-host for Leadership Matters in the next few months. Wonderful. Well, you're actually you're you're a, a co-host starting today. In fact, I'm going to have you lead the conversation today, and um, and continue on with us. So, I'm going to just turn it over to you, and we'll kind of follow your lead and kind of do the dance and the conversation today. So, again, thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you, Dr. G. I would really like to introduce our guest today, Dr. Moss Breen. Um, Jennifer is the Director of Bellevue University's Doctoral Human Capital Management Program. Previously, Jennifer served as the Director of Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab. She has a rich background in teaching leadership, which is why we've invited her today, also organizational behavior and management, and has published many papers and made several presentations on the topic. Um, I'm really excited, Dr. Breen, Moss Breen, Jennifer, to have you here today. Thank you so much. And I wonder if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your interest in leadership. Sure, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And thank you, Dr. G, also for having me on the show. It's really exciting to be able yeah. to talk about leadership because it's one of my my passions and, and helping people grow in that way. Um, as the director of the Ph.D. program on human capital, I look at leadership as a human capital um, entity. When we're developing leaders, we're developing human capital. And so we can link those two very easily. Um, our program in human capital management, we talk about leadership a lot. And um, because in order to lead human capital initiatives and organizations, you have to be a great leader. And it's one of the major challenges. So... Um, Jenny is a member of that program, and it's a fantastic program, and we have awesome students. And so we're just really um, happy to be participating today with you. Thank you. 
today the topic is effective leadership styles, the servant leader, and the role of power in leadership. And I was wondering, um, Jennifer, if you could talk a little bit about maybe describe and define the concepts of servant leadership, and then also the other piece of that in terms of the driving force of power as a leadership style. Sure. Um, Servant leadership was originally described by Robert Greenleaf and really discussed leadership in terms of um, what drives that the servant leader is wanting to serve others first. So in the descriptions and, and the way it's talked about is that um, the, the servant leader wants to serve and they want to serve first, and they aspire to lead in, in that service. They take other people's needs um, first. That's the priorities, the other people, not the leader themselves. And the ultimate goal is that those that are served grow as people so that they become stronger and freer and more autonomous through their work and through the servant leader's efforts. Uh, it's counter, it, it, at first glance, it seems counter to power and leadership because oftentimes people think power is... Um, you know, the only way to drive through change and, and lead organizations, and a lot of people think that the servant leader is, is weak by nature. But really, um, you know, power can be defined as sources of power, um, using your legitimate power in an organization or being able to give rewards for power or being an expert in something or having people just like you so they give you power or maybe even through punishment you can have power. And that's the opposite end of, you know, the whole servant leader type definition. But somewhere in the middle is where we want our leaders to be and is where they could be most optimal, optimal, creating strong followers through things like um, their, their wisdom, the way they persuade people to accomplish goals, the way they help people heal when they come to work and they're having a bad day or they're having a bad um, time at work. They help people heal through things. Um, people can be called to work, especially in the nonprofit uh, sector. And um, so if we can get the servant leader to take on some of the power characteristics and the power leader to take on some of the servant characteristics, I believe we'd have the optimal, optimal leadership style. That, that's a really interesting point that you make because I think that while some people may not have heard specifically of servant leadership, um, when you describe it that way, it really does potentially have the characteristic of, of appearing possibly as a weak leader. But you're saying that you really are, you're inspired to lead as a servant leader and that those who are served because of your style really grow from that and that you actually bring a lot of strength as a leader to the situation. Exactly. In a perfect example, and the one that I use often is Gandhi. He was um, sent, you know, he was recruited essentially. And I don't know if a lot of people know the story of Gandhi. You can find out a lot about him online. But it was, um, he was living a life of, uh, I guess, a very good life in, in, in the U.K. and took a train ride. He was going to work as a, he was an attorney. He was going to work in India on a case. And ultimately, because he was a person of color, got thrown off the train because you know, he was segregated at that time in India. And that set a fire in him. And he was, he's called a servant leader because he wasn't there for himself. He didn't really even necessarily want to be doing that, but he was called. 
to do the work. And what he did that's different from maybe a charismatic leader who might want the leader, the followers to just sort of cherish him and honor him and, you know, put him on a, a pedestal. Gandhi did the complete opposite, but he did it in a very strong way. And through some of his um, tactics, you know, teaching the people to create the, the fabric and the wool and the silks rather than being held, um, you know, sort of hostage by the English colonists who wanted, you know, who could uh, basically have, provide free, uh, free la- sorry, slave labor and have um, the, the Indian people making the fabrics. He taught the uh, Indian people to actually weave their own wool and, and equip themselves with their, you know, their spiritual gowns and their spiritual fabrics so that they could be free. And so, so that's that key thought of those that um, are served, they grow as people and they become stronger through that service. And it really equips in, in areas like nonprofits or a ministry where, you know, a minister or a, or a senior leader can really only uh, manage about a hundred people directly. And at that, at some point, you have to have others in the in the group that are willing to take on the work and take on the service. And so they want to grow as leaders, and they abandon ego, and they start to work for the for the cause. And that's that's where really effective leadership can happen. Mm-hmm. Dr. G, did you want to add anything to that? Well, you know, I'm listening, and I'm totally enjoying and agreeing with what I'm hearing. Uh, I think what comes to mind for me is that the uh, servant leadership um, style is really something that we've kind of pushed in our customer service here at the Neighborhood House Association when we look at our commitment to service excellence. Um, there's a, um, a real push for our supervisors to understand that they are service champions and that the same level of care that we want to have our um, staff providing to clients internally and externally, we expect our supervisors to champion. And our um, service excellence is all about consistently delivering exceptional service that demonstrates I care and builds a positive reputation and support and support for the organization. And that I care is integrity and it's being courteous, attentive, and it's really kind of getting in tune with what their staff's needs are, just like we would have our staff getting in tune with what our clients' needs are, and then being responsive to those needs is what the R stands for. And then excellence, we say, you know, excellence requires compassion. So if you get the task done, but you don't do it in a compassionate way, we still miss the mark. So really to have our supervisors and leaders take on that role as service champions um, so that they are positioning staff to be excellent service providers um, for me, is really kind of modeling uh, in a very concrete way that service leadership style where they're using a very facilitative style and really understand that we only succeed in our jobs when the people who we have providing services are succeeding in theirs. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cheryl. And, and Jennifer, would, your story about Gandhi, Gandhi was, was really interesting to me because I think um, for me it relates to mission. Um, mm-hmm. He he came out came up with a very personal mission, and then it became much greater than him. But it it is in our work in nonprofits and human service and and even uh, public organizations that have missions. Um, we all exist for a specific reason, 
And I think that, that if we really connect to the mission of the organization and then our leadership kind of flows from our understanding of mission, why we exist, and then flows through philosophy. And Cheryl, you did a great job explaining philosophy of practice. Um, so at some point, it kind of is all connected, and then servant leadership as a concept doesn't seem so foreign and so potentially weak. That's correct, Jenny. And, you know, I did some work. I've done some research on this topic, and one of the things that was is most interesting about the research is that those – I looked at um, altruism, and, and I looked at the relationship between power and politics – and effectiveness, and then how altruism impacts that. And what I found in my dissertation research was that the, the more altruistic a person was, the less they utilized the power that they had within them. And and I, I don't know if it's, I don't know for sure why. You know, and that would be a good follow-up study. Is you know what, why don't you, or what's stopping you? Maybe the the perception is, you know, this is a nonprofit, or we're we're a mission-based organization, so we don't have to be strategic about using the power that we have available to us, or maybe they don't understand that they they can, or maybe the challenges are even greater in the nonprofit sector than they are in the corporate sector, where in the nonprofit you're always you know competing for grants, and you know I think sometimes people think it's really touchy feely work when in fact mm-hmm. it's really really hard work because you have to you have to sustain yourself. So I'm not sure what the reasoning is, but that mm-hmm. was the finding of the dissertation. Mm-hmm. And and one could maybe surmise that it's if you're really altruistic, um, maybe your natural style is to kind of engage people in a different way than you might if your natural style was to use your authoritative power or your legitimate power in a way that we think of as power. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if we could train, again, if we could kind of do some dual development here and help those that are more power-driven naturally mm-hmm. to see the advantages of, of working from a more mission-based or servant-based perspective and vice versa, help those that are truly altruistic see and teach them about the, the sources of power and, and interpersonal political skills. And and then I, I think that maybe uh, those in the nonprofit sector would have less stress. In fact, there's actually research that indicates those who have um, strong political skills experience less stress in the workplace. So that means naturally you might flow, there'd be less burnout, less turnover, you know, less just basic fatigue associated with nonprofit work that we sometimes face. Mm-hmm. Interesting thoughts about the whole political piece because I think that as leaders, um, regardless of what level within the organization you are as a leader, Politics kind of doesn't always feel like it's a good good place to be. Right. I mean, the term politics in organizations is, of course, a, it's a bad it's a bad word, mm-hmm. and we don't want to talk about it. But there's a lot of research coming out of Florida, in fact, that um, where they discuss the, the positive impact of politics and that they're in fact neutral, mm-hmm. and there's some uh, political skills that you can actually teach people that help them um, navigate organizations more effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of food for thought. Um, we're going to go into a commercial break, but when we come back, I'd really like to pick up where you left off and see, Cheryl, if you have anything that you would like to add or comments that you'd like to make. Um, 
I really, again, thank you for being here. This is really a lot of food for thought and a lot of things to think about. And in some ways, it maybe a little feels a little controversial for some of us who don't like to talk about politics. But you're listening to um, Leadership Matters, and um, we're about inspiring uh, people and leaders, informing leaders and inspiring solutions, and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, I'm Jenny Fruma, and I'm with uh, AJFCS in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I'm actually co-hosting the show today with Dr. G. And we have a guest, um, Dr. Moss Breen, who is with um, Bellevue University's Doctoral Human Capital Management Program and also has been the director of Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab. And we've been talking about um, effective leadership styles, uh, particularly the servant leader and the role of power in leadership. We left the last segment talking about power and politics. Um, so, Jennifer, Dr. Mosbreen, if you would pick that up. And then, Cheryl, I think you had some comments, too. Sure. I'd be happy to talk about um, the idea of its interpersonal political skills. And we all know that politics do exist in organizations. It's just a natural part of people working together, limited resources, time constraints, change, we're human beings, and so uh, we naturally um, have to play those politics sometimes, although most of us would say we don't like to play those politics. Um, but one of the elements that can be helpful is learning interpersonal political skills. 
And how it's been written about in the literature is really in four areas, four key skills that you can develop in yourself that help you navigate the natural politics that are in your organization. And the first one is basically interpersonal influence. So being able to get people to like you, being able to get people to respect you, being able to um, have integrity, and through that integrity, people you can influence people. Um, your enthusiasm can help influence people. But it's all about those one-on-one relationships that you form with people in the workplace. And emails are nice and text messages are nice, but really sitting down and talking with someone, going out for coffee or stopping at their office and saying hi um, can really help build interpersonal influence. And very easy things doesn't cost any money to build your interpersonal influence. It's really about taking an interest in people, what they want to get accomplished, the things that they're dealing with every day in their lives. Um, So that's one way. A second way is to build your, your network, and interpersonal influence naturally builds your network because uh, both inside and out the, outside of the organization, you know, what groups are you a part of? Who do you go to, uh, who do you go to have fun with? Who do you go out to play golf with? Who do you go to lunch with? Um, when I teach this in, in workshops, I usually send the group out to go and, you know, we're usually at a conference and I ask them to go meet ten new people. And that's really hard for people because usually when we go to conferences, we want to hang out with the people that we know, the people that we came there with. And unless you're a natural extrovert, you usually don't go and meet 10 new people during a 10-minute break. But um, I challenge them to do that. And then they come back and they tell me, well, I met, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, and and I can't believe, you know, they knew such-and-such person, and, you know, we're going to connect when we get back. And, you know, so building your network. It, it, it absolutely helps you to um, get things done in an organization, and it builds your, your your interpersonal political skills. Another one is social astuteness, and that sounds like a kind of a fancy word, but what it really means is knowing how to act differently in different social situations. The cocktail party versus the lunch versus the baseball game versus the office versus wherever else you might be, Mm -hmm. but adjusting your own behavior, you know, using some self-monitoring and adjusting who you are in every situation can help uh, also build your your political skills because people feel like they they can trust you and that you understand them and and, and you're well-liked. And the last one is a, is apparent sincerity. And I, I don't really like the word apparent, but it 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 is coined apparent sincerity. And what that means is that people feel that when you say something to them, they you're you're being honest with them. You're being real. You're telling them the whole story. And of course, we hope that people are being honest and being real and telling the whole story. But a key to this is that you really are expressing your sincere. You know, you're, you're, you're vested in the conversation. You're, you're indicating that you do care about what's happening in the organization or with that person, and you're going to do your best to try and help in that situation. So it's, it's kind of the message is rather than just saying half listening and giving someone the aha, I understand, really engaging with that person and then delivering on that, you know, building your integrity and really following through with what you say. So those are all things that can be taught. And, there, and through those, that skill building, you can really impact your power, you can be a servant leader, and you can kind of beef up your political skills, which ultimately helps you function more easily in an organization. 
Wow. That, that's such a great framework and a context to really think about politics at work in a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because we can't ignore them. And you're right, every organization has a mission. They have something. And it's usually, you know, corporate world, you know, making money is a good mission, but they have another mission. They have a mandate for existence. Mm-hmm. It's providing a service or a good or something or, or helping in the community. So um, we all have, you know, good things, good work to be doing, and we get frustrated when other people's agendas are different than our own. And usually through understanding that agenda, mm-hmm. understanding the big picture, and then using some of these skills, you can drive good change forward and really accomplish good things together. Mm. Wow, thank you for all of that. Cheryl, you, you've worked in, in a number of different organizations. What are your thoughts and reactions? Well, I absolutely think that what Jennifer has provided is um, absolutely spot on, and I see it as being um, essential across um, sectors, I think, be it public, be it nonprofit or corporate. Um, I think Jennifer is spot on when she talks about building those one-on-one relationships and building that network, that social astuteness with being able to self-monitor and then really um, being sincere, authentic in one's approach and delivering. Um, I love the, the thought and the conversation of power and politics, and I think even though it's thought that it's shied away from in public and nonprofit sector, I think that it's extremely important both. And I do believe that leaders in those sectors have realized for years um, the importance of it. I think that we frame it more around influence mm-hmm. and, and the ability to influence. And those are sectors that really do have to influence because they have to influence stakeholders, be it the um, general public in a public situation where they're trying to have um, political uh, elected um, officials or appointed officials support their agendas or the public itself vote and support um, what they're putting forth or be it in nonprofits where they're trying to persuade others to provide resources. It's really about influence. Um, and then even within the organization where they're trying to gauge and, and bring alignment, um, I think five sources of, um, of power, five sources of influence that um, in those sectors are, are very often um, used would be um, people, kind of going back to what Jennifer said with mm-hmm. regards to really uh, building effective relationships, interest, knowing that you really do have to engage more in dialogue to where you get to understand what other people's needs, interests, and desires are so that you can then come up with the third source of, of influence, which is about developing win-win options. The fourth um, source uh, that we commonly see used is uh, objective criteria, kind of like doing the data, going into mm-hmm. the data dive that says, I'm only asking for what's fair, or, you know, we've done the research and this fares out to be the best option. And then the fifth source is using the other four in harmony with each other to come up with what um, I think it's um, Hall and coming working out of the um, Harvard Law School phrases as the BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement where you're really using the other four in harmony with each other to come up with that best positioning. Um, so I think, again, Jennifer's spot on and definitely something that can be utilized in all of the sectors. This is really such great information, and what really comes to my mind then is what does this ultimately all look like 
in the workplace. You've given some examples, but how do we kind of figure out our own style? Like, mm-hmm. am I a servant leader? Um, do I possess these kinds of qualities? Um, and then taking it to that in-between place mm-hmm. of I also have some legitimate power as the COO in my organization. Um, so how do I figure out my style? Does it even really matter? <laughs> well, of course, the organizational culture is going to drive a lot of this because there's going to be norms and cultural elements that no matter what kind of organization you work in that are going to dominate. And so there's, there, there's that context. So you have to always consider the context in which you're living and working. And you may be one style in one context, another style in another context, you know, say at your church or in your neighborhood than you are at work or in your family. So the context drives it first, I believe. And the second thing is it's a lot of looking in, inward at yourself. When we do leadership development, the first things we usually do is help us person understand who they are mm-hmm. and what's, what's driving them, what, what excites them. Right. And please hold that thought, Jennifer, because we're going to go to commercial break in just a few minutes, a few okay. seconds, actually. And when we come back, um, our co-producer, Valerie Wright, has some questions. And so if you would make a note, because I think that cultural piece that you're talking about is really important, and I mm-hmm. would really like to come back to that. So you're listening to Leadership Matters. And um, we're talking about the effective leadership styles, the servant leader and the role of power in leadership. Um, And Leadership Matters is about informing leaders and inspiring solutions. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, I'm Jenny Fruma. I'm co-hosting with Dr. G today. Um, I'm going to let you know about our guest in a second, but you're back with Leadership Matters. And today we're talking about effective leadership styles, the servant leader, and the role of power in leadership. Our guest is Dr. Moss Breen. Jennifer is the director of the Bellevue University's Doctoral Human Capital Management Program and previously served as director of Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab. And we are so grateful and thankful that you are here with us today, um, Jennifer. Um, also joining us right now is Valerie Wright, our co-producer, and this is usually the segment where we hear from our listeners. So, Valerie, if I could hand this over to you. Thank you. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show. We're enjoying having you as a co-host with Thank Dr. You. G. Thank um, you. We do have two questions today. One question comes from Jason in Michigan. Jason says, please explain what is meant by the leader first or the servant first leadership style and how would I determine which is my natural style? Okay. Is this Jennifer, Cheryl? Well, I can talk to that for for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. um, We were just kind of getting to that when we were in the last segment. Really, the best way to determine... Your preferred style is to look inside yourself and figure out what roles do you play and, and in which situations do you play them and what's your natural tendency. Are you, you know, are you called to something? Is there something that you feel that it's, it's your personal calling in life to go pursue? Is there a certain population of people that you feel you need to help? If you feel that, in your heart and you feel that that's driving you, that's motivating you, you would probably tend to be more on that servant leadership side of the fence. If you are really, really good at gathering up lots of people and setting forth a a high-level vision and you like the um, admiration of followers and you like that energy that that produces, and you and you want to help achieve an organizational goal or a you know a, a large um, social movement. I mean that might be more on the power side, but again they can go hand in hand, and one is not better than the other, and you will have to use them at different times in your life and in different contexts. And in fact, there are ways to measure. There's assessments if you go online and Google uh, servant leadership or interpersonal political skills or. I'm sure there's a way we could help people find ways to measure because in, when you take courses in leadership, there's measures of all these things, and you can self-assess how you are, you know, where you would rank in the different areas. So you really have to learn about yourself first. Which is um, sometimes a real challenge for some of us because um, it's always easier to look outward than it is to look inward. And I think... For me, you're hitting on some really important points about how if we are in the right place and doing what we feel most comfortable with, that it may be less about our style and more about who we are and if we can understand what resources we can bring to bear because we know ourselves best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cheryl, any thoughts? No, I would just... um 
echo what both of you are saying. I think it starts with self um, and doing the self-exploration and then challenging oneself to then uh, move to, if one's not there, a space where um, where actions align with values, vision, mission, and considering others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I would just add quickly is a lot of times people equate leadership with power, and they think that if I raise to the, you know I'm at the highest levels of the organization and I'm making a lot of money and I you know they think that that is the leadership where what where people need to start to start thinking about leadership is that that leadership is the responsibility and the custodian in the building might be just as much of a servant leader or a leader in that context than the CEO. And so we can't equate power, status, level in the organization, money. None of that equates with leadership. And that's a common misconception that we think, well, he's the president, so he's the leader, or she's the president, she's the leader. And that's not necessarily the case. Anyone can lead, but it's a responsibility you have to take on from within yourself. <clears throat> That's really interesting. So you're saying that leaderships are anywhere within the organization. And, and I, I sometimes think that when we're so busy taking care of our clients, regardless of the kind of organization, that we don't always give ourselves the luxury, if you will, or necessity that is needed to really look at ourselves and to understand ourselves better and to yeah. recognize our own leadership potential. Absolutely. I mean, when in the time, having the time to think about who you are and where you could develop as a leader is a, is a huge challenge because you're right. People don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very cyclical and a downward spiral of I'm too busy. You become less and less, less effective, more and more stressed. Mm-hmm. But kind of flipping that on the other side and saying, okay, you know, I am going to figure this out, um, devoting that energy to it, sacrificing something else for it, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it also, I think, is a message to leaders to how we can create that space for people that we work with to to create the space for them to do some of that. As much as it is about training, it's also about that self-reflection. Right, and of course that's all going to be driven from the senior most leadership in the organization, Mm -hmm. which drives the whole culture. If they drive a culture of developing healthy leaders in their organization, Mm -hmm. and and they really mean that, that will happen because they will give them the space. If they drive the culture of profit-driven, margins-driven, quarterly returns-driven, that's not going to be the focus as much mm-hmm. as the leaders. And so that's where you get these dysfunctional organizations that are very mm-hmm. stressful to work in. Yeah. Wow, that was a great question, Jason, from Michigan. Thank you so much. Um, Valerie, do we have another question? Yes. Um, we have a question from Mildred in Florida. Mildred mm-hmm. states, in an online article, Dr. Mitch McCrimmon notes 10 characteristics of a servant leader. One of those characteristics is healing, which he explains is the ability to heal oneself and others, a willingness to help other people solve their problems. How does one develop this ability to heal, and what does it look like in action? Hmm. That's a great, great question. If I, can I talk to that, Jenny? Please. <laughs> okay. 
Well, in my work, in my, in my Ph.D. program, my advisor, <clears throat> sorry, Jay Barbuto, developed a scale around servant leadership, and one of the elements of that was the emotional healing component. And emotional healing, as, as um, you mentioned, Mildred, is healing, helping others around you be the best selves they can possibly be because, we're, you know, we all have stresses every day, family, financial, emotional, physical, work, and, and helping, again, taking the time to sit down with someone or just stop at their office or just stop by, give them a call, send them a note and say, how are you doing today? And if you know someone's going through something, how this might play out is to just offer to take a walk with them or go to lunch or, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal thing. Even if five minutes of someone indicating that they care for you is emotional healing. It was really funny when I did my dissertation because I collected data in lots of different types of organizations, some nonprofit and some for-profit, and, and one was actually a manufacturing firm. And they, it was a firm that makes um, plating. They do plating. And so they have a line operation. So they've got people working on the line, first, second, and third shift. And so they take this survey about emotional healing, and, and you have to describe what you're measuring. And so I come back, and I have to give the results back to them. And I had to do it at all the organizations. In the manufacturing firm, you can imagine I'm sitting in the lunchroom presenting all this great stuff about emotional healing and servant leadership, and they looked at me cross-eyed and thought, and they really had a problem with it. They said, no, it, we, emotional healing should not happen at the workplace. You know, we're here to work. And, and so, again, the context is going to determine um, what's acceptable. Now, just because if you're working side-by-side side on someone on the line and you know they're having a family situation or they're having financial problems, you know, it doesn't mean you sit down and you're, you counsel them for an hour. It could mean you just say, how you doing? How's the family? <laughs> you know, and, and just offer up that human support that tells us that we're not alone in the world and that someone does actually understand what's going on with us and can help us out, um, it, at least in, in their caring. That's emotional healing. So I think they mistook it at the plant. I think they thought that we were going to have a ministry or something in, in their, on their line, but that's not really what's intended. And, it's of course, every person is different. For someone, that might be getting into their boundaries, you know, beyond their boundaries at work. And that's okay if that's, what they, mm-hmm. if that's their level of comfort. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think um, that in particularly nonprofits or the public sector that um, what I've heard people say is that they're mistaking the place of work because we are all so friendly with one another and yet very task-focused and really work at getting things done and doing things right for our clients, that someone can sometimes misinterpret that because, generally speaking, we're all about families and we're all about taking care of one another. They can mistake what appears to be a supportive environment really for family. Mm. So that's the flip side of what you're describing. True. That's, uh, that's, I, I've worked in a church setting before, and that and ex, that's exactly true. And it can become even more difficult there because now you're dealing with my family, mm-hmm. and my family's changing. And so, 
again, from a leadership perspective, that's a whole other layer of challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a great it, point. It, it almost goes back to that social astuteness piece that it sounds like you were describing. Um, so we're almost going into a break. Uh, but, Valerie, thank you so much for um, telling us about these questions from Mildred in Florida and Jason in Michigan. We really appreciate listeners' questions. And, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, Dr. G, before we go to break, any thoughts that you have or comments that you'd like to make? You know, I would just add that I think that emotional healing very often can start with acknowledgement and supporting people in coming into a space of being able to explore, kind of own what they need to own, let go of what they need not to hold on to. Um, Unforgiveness can create a hardening of the heart that is very challenging. Mm-hmm. and it creates less capacity to be fully present to do one's job. I think the other thing is emotional energy really comes from a person feeling valued and appreciated, and I think it is an important part of every workplace to have everyone feel valued and appreciated, and I think that's another um, aspect of putting someone in a space for healing. And I would love to come back to to that uh, feeling valued piece and how we as leaders create that space. Mm -hmm. Um, Listeners, you're listening to Effective Leadership Styles, the Servant Leader and the Role of Power in Leadership. We have a really great forum going on and discussion. Um, We'll be back in just a few minutes. And this is Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. 
Hi, I'm Jenny Fruma, and I'm co-hosting the show today with Dr. G. And we have a guest, Dr. Moss Breen. Uh, Jennifer is the director of the Bellevue University's Doctoral Human Capital Managed Program, and we're so pleased you're back with us. Um, and today we're talking about effective leadership styles, the servant leader, and the role of power in leadership. And just before we went to break, um, Cheryl, I believe it was you who was talking about how important it is to create space within our organizations where people feel valued. And I was wondering if you could pick up that thought. Yes. I, you know, I was just responding to the whole thought of a person feeling whole and there being a space for healing. I think an important part of, I think what Jennifer was talking about was emotional healing. And I think an important part of that is people feeling in us providing um that which will add to their emotional energy, which is really about feeling valued and appreciated. And so I think as um, leaders within the organization, when we express appreciation, when we um, provide specific feedback on, you know, job well done, when we are clear with expectations and directions so that we help to set people up for success so they can actually experience success in what they're doing, all those things I think add to a sense of accomplishment and a sense of feeling valued uh, within one's workplace. I would agree. It's just funny. I read, uh, I'm a fan of John Roseman and his, <laughs> some people like him and some people don't. But one thing he mentioned about mo- human motivation that was really interesting was um, with with children, he, there's a study, there was some research that was done on when, whether you tell a kid, job well done, um, when they've done something right, if that's more motivating or whether it's more motivating to say, I appreciate your effort in in doing that. Whether they did a great job or not, they, you appreciate their effort. And I that hit me because in organizations, it's all about the performance, the metrics, the job, the, the task. Is it completed? Is it on time? Is it, you know, is it what we needed? And if thinking about people feeling appreciated and feeling their interests and desires are, just, are, are understood, if we encourage people, as you're saying, Dr. G, to um, for their effort, for their you know, even if they make a mistake, even if they're go if it's going slower than you like, appreciating that effort, encouraging them and directing them, you know, offering some of that mentoring and coaching and helping them get to that next level. I know when I've had huge challenges ahead of me, my mentors created that pathway, and in the servant leadership. That's called persuasive mapping. You know, how do you help person a person map from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, so they can really achieve goals that they never thought that they could achieve? That's that's where you can really help someone feel um, that emotional that emotional energy that you're talking about and being excited about coming to work because there's someone there who's helping me achieve really neat things. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a really important point. Um, so in this last segment, we've really covered a lot of ground, and I keep saying this, but it is so much food for thought because there are so many kernels here that I think we can, every one of us as a leader, um, kind of resonate with. It resonates with us and really have the opportunity and and take our own um, advice in terms of creating some space to reflect upon some of these areas. And I want to hear your kind of any last thoughts that you may have or, you know, lessons learned. But the one thing that really strikes me is the brief discussion. Unfortunately, we could have had a whole 
show in the discussion about interpersonal political skills Mm -hmm. and how important the ones that you identified as interpersonal skills and and how we build and use our influence, building networks, um, what I think of as social capital, Mm -hmm. our social astuteness, how we monitor ourselves depending on the context, and also that apparent sincerity, which we talk a lot about about in terms of being authentic. Um, So that's really what resonated with me. But I'm really interested in your final thoughts or lessons learned or final tips for listeners. And also then to, I invite you to share any references of upcoming events or things that you would like to share with the listening audience as we finish today's show. Well, I would... um I don't have any events on the on the radar that I'm actually thinking of, but I would think that in terms of just this whole conversation about leadership is that it's so much easier said than done. I mean, I've studied this for a long time, mm-hmm. and when you are actually out leading people, it's a matter of purposefully practicing. It's an art that can be learned for the rest of your life. You can practice it at home. You can practice it at work. Um, you could reflect on it. Where you, you know, even this conversation today has helped, has reminded me so many ways I could be better at being a leader. And it's, it's just, we get lost in the tasks at hand. Mm-hmm. And, and that's great, you know, tasks are important, but practicing and, and taking advantage of things like this show and, and, and things you can read can really inspire you and keep you on track. So that you're continually, you know, crafting your art. Of leadership. That's a great term, crafting your art, art of leadership. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it is a responsibility and it's a personal growth, which all personal growth takes some effort. And, um, and I, you know, I, I think it's, it's very challenging, but it's also very, very rewarding when you see thing, the fruit of, of the labor that you're putting forth towards your own development and, and the development of others. Mm. That's great. Thank you, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think uh, I think too. I absolutely have enjoyed uh, this conversation, and um, I think the uh, social astuteness is something that I very often see um, in clients that we are often referred to for coaching as being an area of growth. That um, considering oneself. In within the context of figuring out how do I need to go about doing what it is I'm doing in a way that is appropriate for those that I'm trying to do the dance with, and I say trying to do the dance with, those that I'm trying mm-hmm. to engage with and influence and helping to keep them, for lack of a better word, comfortable uh, while I'm getting my message across. Um, kind of really stands out for me. And then I think uh, being intentional just in general about what we're doing and how we're doing it, I think it's very often to go on automatic. And when we're on automatic, to just kind of roll in or roll over. Um, So being intentional about balancing consideration of our own need with the needs of others and the organization that we're uh, representing as well as the values, um, the politics, uh, I think just are real important when we look at um, moving forward and developing an effective leadership style. Yeah, and I, I'm really so excited that we've been talking about this. I think, um, and I'm hoping that some of our listeners really think about servant leadership in a whole different way and also understand power 
um, in a way that they can be more effective, recognizing that leadership is, is using power in an effective way and um, understanding the culture and also understanding oneself. I think that's been driven home today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Judy, there is an event that's upcoming that we yes, just please. kind of began to lodge. Mm-hmm. We have a website, a combined website with the Alliance for Children and Family Services and the Neighborhood House Association under Innovisions. It's um, one of their social enterprise programs. It's called the Advance um, which is a um, cultural competence academy for leaders, which is coming up in November of this year. But the website is www.theadvance.org, which really will be looking a lot at that contextual piece with regards to how do you create um, culture within an organization as well as cultural competencies in general. So I invite our listeners to go onto that website and take a look at the overview and see if that might be something they're interested in as well. That's terrific. Thank you so much. So we're ending our show in just a couple of minutes. I really want to thank Jennifer Mosbreen, Dr. Mosbreen. Thank you so much. Thank Dr. you. Dr. G, thank you for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Jennifer. You did a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous first job with thank regards you. to interviewing. You were our first guest on Leadership Matters, and now you're the first one to co-host, and it's just been exciting um, having you join us and looking forward to many more wonderful shows with you hosting. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. And thanks a lot, Jennifer. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. And also want to thank Jason from Michigan and Mildred from Florida for their questions during this uh, show. And uh, today we spoke about effective leadership styles, the servant leader, and the role of the power in leadership. And um, this is uh, hopefully the first of many more wonderful forums that we will have talking about leadership as it matters for nonprofits and also for those in the public sector. And um, it's really about informing leaders, inspiring solutions. And, again, I want to thank you both so much for being on the show. Great. And thank you, Jenny. My yeah, thanks, pleasure. Jenny. Yes. Thank and I say thank much. you again to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, as Jenny said, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.